Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach tip of the day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Welcome and thanks for listening, everyone. This segment of the show is brought to you by Olive Crest. And my guest is Harley B. Ellen, and he's visiting us from the ERISA Law Firm in Mission Viejo. Harley, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Hey, I've been looking forward to having you on here. It's been, uh, we've been talking for a little while about ERISA issues and things that happen. And we're going to talk about employee benefits. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, this, this notion of ERISA. And Harley, before we get into that, we always like to start by getting to know a little bit about our guests. So can you share a little bit with our listeners about your background? Yes. Um, well, first of all, and probably foremost, I'm the father of three millennials, uh, daughters. One's an actuary, one's a teacher, and one's a counselor. So that's my pride and joy. Great. I've uh, been practicing in employee benefits since 1980. Uh, so I go back quite a ways. And uh, the funny thing about it is when I first started back in the 80s doing retirement plans and health plans and things like that, there weren't many people doing it. It was, you know, I, I was doing it. I, I remember digging out old Lotus spreadsheets, if you can recall that, to try to do allocations and things like that. So mm-hmm. so it, I, I've taken, you know, a lot of time in the industry. I, I What I've found that, especially in the last 10, 15 years, is that I've really become a chameleon. I, I change as the as the client's needs change because what I do in any given year changes almost completely the next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, the ERISA area, of course, uh, kind of governs all things related to retirement plans, employee benefits, and even those things called non-qualified deferred compensation that they created a whole new section of the code out of a few years ago. So thus the need for change, right, to adapt to the changes that are happening out there. Yes, and, and I mean, the interesting thing about ERISA is that, you know, it's so new so often. Uh, you, you're, you're referring to Section 409A, which scares everybody, but uh, 409A, uh, no one was an expert in it because the regulations were so new, and we all had to just dive in and try to digest what it end, and what it says and try to com- communicate that to employ, uh, to employers and employees. And it really, ro- really reeled in a lot of this kind of loosey-goosey kind of things that were going on out there in the planning world for many, many decades. And mainly as a result of en- uh, Enron and, and WorldCom and big bankruptcies and executives with golden parachutes that, that the government had to step in and say, let's put, put some rules around that, right? Yeah, it used to be the wild, wild west. I really enjoyed working in, empl- in executive comp because you could basically draft anything you wanted. But, uh, the, you know, the whole reaction to Enron was, you know, pigs get fed and hogs get slaughtered. So they've given us this very, very... Uh, elaborate set of regulations i mean i've never seen anything like it and i work in orissa where there's regulations of the name of the game uh, very very detailed very very difficult and you can have two very similar situations that create absolute different uh, outcomes and those let's uh, we'll just stay on 409a for a few minutes but uh, 409a really uh, a lot of people are surprised at the breadth of the types of plans that it covers so if you will just give us a kind of give give our listeners a little overview of when they should be thinking about 409a as a regulation yeah the most overlooked area is severance benefits i mean i'm right now i'm working with an executive that's leaving a company and uh, his severance package actually violated 409a uh, which which a lot of people don't realize and, and 409a is really directed at 
at controlling the ability of the executive to accelerate or decelerate the payment of benefits for tax years and things like that. So, so what they're doing is they're regulating what you can do. And, 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 and honestly, the complexity of what's happened in, in, in non-qualified deferred compensation plans in particular is as, as complicated as your typical 401k plan. So you see a lot of situations where um, you know, you really, I, I, for example, third-party administration used to almost always be done in-house by most companies. Now it's, you know, I recommend they get a third-party administrator. It's so complicated. And it's, there's a lot of, especially if you are a business owner who's signed as a trustee onto a qualified plan, a retirement plan, we're talking about 401k, hmm. profit sharing, defined benefit, you have unlimited liability, right? I mean, that's got to be scary for, for some people. Well, you have you have personal liability, and that's really what it is. But, you know, ERISA is really interesting in that it doesn't really look at results. So you can pick a good fund or a bad fund or things like that. And they're less concerned about that than they are about the procedure that you went through to pick or not pick that fund. Uh, so they're really looking at things like that. And, and I really honestly, it's funny because I get, I get calls all the time, people are terrified of fiduciary liability. And I actually look at it as a very, very protective statute. I mean, ERISA really is a, an interesting statute because it was the first one that was done that was that was reigned over by two different departments of the government, the Department of the Treasury and the Department of Labor. And it really created a situation where um, they were trying to in incentivize employers to put in benefits for employees, and they still want that. That's a very big policy statement. And I use that a lot in, in audits and stuff like that when my clients get in trouble is that you want them to shut down the plan. And so, it, you know, it, it, it really is something that encourages them to do them. And, and the Supreme Court, especially in the last five, ten years, has really backed that up by saying, look, we're not going to stick you with liabilities unless you're being a jerk. And, and so the, 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 the things that create fiduciary liability are things where you were negligent or you didn't pay attention to it or you did something that was self-serving. That's really where you get stung with, with uh, fiduciary liability. If you follow the pattern, you follow a procedure, much easier to get out. And, and, and you know, most of the time... The employers are the ones that win these lawsuits. That's why it's so far hard to find in a, a plaintiff's ERISA attorney. Oh, I see. Okay, that makes sense. So, so first of all, there are procedures you must follow in setting up any of these plans, and the Department of Labor and other governing entities are looking to make sure that you have those procedures in place and you're following them, right? Yeah, yeah I mean, it's you know, it, it's it's really pretty logical. You know, most business people are pretty sensible about this stuff, and they spend the time and they and they listen to advisors and things like that. You know, these things are so complicated that mistakes are made all the time, but if you show uh, this is the policy we went through, this is the procedure that we followed, uh, you're not going to have liability. How often should um, trustees, let's say, of a profit sharing or 401k plan document that they got together and had a meeting about the plan? Uh, that you know, different different advisors will advise you differently. Um, I I like quarterly, but some people do it semi-annually. Some people even do it annually. And 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 the the important thing is that when you're doing that, you're going through the whole process. You're you're looking at all the different things. Uh, one of the things that's really crept in over the last few years, um, the Department of Labor put out some regulations, and now you have the duty to make sure that you're not paying too much. You make sure that your advisors right. are being reasonably compensated, and that you're not creating, uh, you're not overpaying or underpaying. And 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 you know it, it's it's really changed the way that we really look at these things. And how do you justify that if your vendor says, "Oh, you're fine. You're not paying too much to us, so we're we're good." Well, the DOL will have a completely different opinion <laughs> on that. But but it, it it is one of the things that I really stress with with clients is that the 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 cost of things you can act, there's actually a case it's an Edison case but um, uh, the the Supreme Court said you can pay more for better advisors so it's, that's not really it's not the cheapest it's really it's really that you've examined it and given all of the the services being provided you're paying a reasonable amount for what you're doing and so if you haven't done that let's say you're a listener out there and you're saying you know what I don't think we've really taken a look at that in the last three or four years 
should they have a, uh, a request for you know a request for quote kind of a thing out there or have somebody do that well you know it, it's my pet peeve because you know what, what happens this is what i call a dumbed down business and what i mean by that is that it starts off with lawyers doing it and then it gets taken over by tpas and then it gets Push down to, to train chimpanzees, basically. And I'm sorry for my, my my brethren out there that might take offense to that, but but it really is a business that does that. So oftentimes, when a client's adopting a new 401k plan, for example, a salesperson will will sit down with with the human resources director, and the two of them will will go through and check the boxes as to what's your vesting and what's your eligibility and what's your match. Um, instead of having a business person that's saying, look, I'm putting in this plan, and, and the reason I'm putting in this plan is I want to do this, and then build the plan around that goal, that desire. Okay, so uh, a lot of uh, people might have a broker that they haven't seen in a few years, the disappearing broker. So they may not, maybe they hear from the vendor, maybe they hear from a third-party administrator, maybe they're not sure what to do with all this stuff. What should they have in their file? That's a great question, um, you know, and, and it is really a problem because, you know, what what's happened in, in ERISA, unfortunately, because of all the people that are, you know, ex getting in exceeding fees, um, you have an awful lot of situations where people are providing services, not disclosing it to the client, and that's to their detriment because they can be held responsible for, you know, being a breach of fiduciary duty for paying this person too much. If you haven't seen your broker in two years, you got a real issue. Two years. years. Yeah. I, I mean, if you haven't seen them in a year, you have an issue because these plans are moving parts all the time. It's why they're so difficult to administer. There's all these moving parts and you should be touching them regularly. And asking questions and making sure that that you're in compliance with all these things. Because if, if you're not, the penalties can be draconian, can't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're enormous and, and they have all different kinds of ways to punish you. I mean, you know, the, the best way to look at this is that ERISA really doesn't care about service providers. ERISA says, employer, if you put in one of these plans, you're going to follow the rules. And if you don't, we're going to punish you. And they don't really look to the advisors to that. And that's why, and, and you know, and if I'm sitting in a capacity as a CFO or CEO and, I, and I'm putting in a plan, I'm scared to death. I might be great at running my business, but I don't know what a 401k plan is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that. So what I try to do is I, you know, I, I hire people that give me advice, ex experts that give me advice. And I need to ensure that that person's competent to do that. And I need to pay that person for that. And so that creates a situation where ultimately, and let's say my advisor screws up, I'm going to get sued. It's going to be me, but I'll have a countersuit against my advisor. I'll be able to say, hey, you gave me bum advice. And that's, that's really the backup plan for the employer. And, and, and a lot of what I do when I structure these things for clients is really try to create that backstop where I've got someone who's good and I'm paying them competently and they're giving me good advice. We're talking with Harley B. Elland. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we're going to ask him to share a few stories, some tips, ideas, and precautions that you can use. So we'll be right back. Are you a small business owner looking for help from experienced people who have been there and done that? You might not need look any further than your local SCORE chapter. SCORE has been helping to grow successful small businesses across America, one business at a time since 1964. There are over 300 chapters nationwide and you can find workshops, one-on-one -on -one mentoring, a wide variety of tools and resources. Why not contact your local SCORE chapter and find out what they have available for you? Find out more at www.score.org or in Orange County, California, contact scoreoc.org. That's S-C-O-R-E-O-C dot O-R-G. 
Hi everybody, it's Bill Black, the Exit Coach. It's not often I get a chance to endorse a good friend and outstanding professional like Brad Hall. Here's a testimonial from their website. The Hall and Company staff have a great knowledge and understanding of tax issues, which provides an invaluable level of comfort. Hall and Company CPAs and advisors are committed to providing the highest quality professional services and guidance. For information and a free consultation, call Brad Hall at 949-910-4255. Welcome back, friends. Just a reminder that we've interviewed dozens of advisors on a wide variety of topics, and you'll find all of their interviews and highlights online at exacoachradio.com or on iTunes at itunes.exacoachradio.com. My guest is Harley B. Elland, and we're talking about ERISA, and I've heard it said that ERISA stands for every ridiculous idea since Adam. You're quoting me. I use that all the time. <laughs> That's where I heard it. So uh, what does it really stand for? What's it all about and how long has it been around? Um, it's It stands for the, it's an acronym, and, and, and this area is just covered with acronyms, but it stands for the Employee Retirement Income Security Act of 1974. And like I said, it passed in 1974 when I was a senior in high school, but it, it uh it is a statute that, like I said, for the first time, two governmental agencies oversaw it. And, and what it's doing is it's, it's trying to regulate uh, and encourage. I mean, that's the most important thing that people don't realize. There's a lot of tax incentives um, for people to be able to put in these plans because they want to ease the burden on Social Security and they want to make sure that employees are paid well. So uh, both departments, IRS and DOL, are really constantly trying to, to, to push employers to do this. It's all-encompassing when it comes to employee benefits. And again, we were talking earlier about the fact that this can even come into play when you when you structure a bonus or a compensation promise for someone for money in the future, like deferred comp, which has become popular mm-hmm. because of the restrictions on 401ks and things like that. And you want to... You want to reward your key employees with differently. So a lot of people don't realize that. Is that right? Oh, it's, it's very true. A bonus is a type of uh, welfare benefit plan, actually. So so it really is something that does cover as broad as you can possibly imagine. And, you know, one of the things I would say, and one of the current trends that I've seen in the last three to five years is as the millennials come into the workplace, I used to see people that did stock options. I mean, that was really where you got, you know, a lot of the executive perks and, and really rank and file perks. Sure. Now the big drive is to what they call a phantom stock plan. And a phantom stock plan is kind of like stock but it's not really. I mean, there's no stock issue. There's no stock options or anything else like that. What they do is they value the company on day one at, say, $100, and if it goes up to 120 you get your share of that 20 buck increase. Very simply put. And yeah. But you can also have clawbacks or, or restrictions on that payment if the employee leaves, mm-hmm. and you can have certain payments out. And, and the beauty of that is it's all paper-based, right? So if you decide to sell the company, it, there's no other shareholders telling you, well, wait a minute, we don't want to sell our 1% and be a fly in the ointment, right? Yeah, and, 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 and again, what happens, I mean, most of these plans are tied to some sort of a corporate transaction. So if it's, it's either going public or selling or whatever, generally that accelerates the vesting, and that creates a situation where the, the employee's going to get paid out. And that, that's why they like it, because then they're going to get a pile of cash. They're not going to get stock that they have to sit on and wait to sell. They're, get, they're actually getting money they can spend. What would you say to the employer out there who says, you know, I, I just want to give my employee performance-based bonuses, and I don't really need to have any documentation for that, so so I don't really, you know, I'm not worried about that. I'll just give them what I give them. What would you say about that? You know, it's a great question because it's, it's really what's changed in my practice over the last, really about the last year. I'm having more and more employers that are actually creating systems. I mean, for example, everyone's got a match in their 401k plan. Not everyone, but a lot of people have matches in their 401k plan. And they just do 50 cents on the dollar. 
What I've done is I've had a lot of clients that have have a, a formula-driven match. So if we do, and I hate to use terms like EBITDA, but if, uh, if we do EBITDA, which is basically a different measure of, of profitability for the company, mm-hmm. um, you're going to get a bigger match. So if we do two times EBITDA, you're going to get two times the match. If we do one times EBITDA, you're going to get one time the match. If you do half of it, we're going to get half. And, and this is a really... Ch- Something that's really changed. I mean, I, I mean, honestly, I've, I've worked with ESOPs a lot. ESOPs are employee stock ownership plans. Mm-hmm. And what it is is the employees all get to own the business. And when you communicate these things appropriately, I mean, literally, people stop stealing pens. I mean, it's a great, it's a great situation. Great way to put it. So employees take on this, uh, this ownership mentality and can push the company harder. Now, what about the employers? What about the, the, the side where the employers are now saying, well, now I'm kind of under the purvey and the purview of, of the government with regards to valuation, and I've really got to run this thing squeaky, squeaky clean and, and make sure. And, and I, there's certain things I have to look at my relationship now to the company, not just the shareholder do whatever I want, but the trustee of this trust that owns the shares, and I have to be careful of my fiduciary obligations there. Yeah, it's it's a big difference between an ESOP, because an ESOP actually does involve stock and ownership and things like that, and valuation is regulated by the government. Um these things can be driven by sales. They can be driven by, you know, your department, wherever you work. And, 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 and most of the time what we do is we try to tailor those to the, the various departments because when they get incentives and they, that you can give them a bigger match than you give another group because, because they did a better job. And that's really what the goal is. And, and again, with respect to these things, we try to put a formula out there. And I'll tell you what, they don't work unless you really communicate them to the employees so that they get it, they understand if our department does this, then I'm going to get a bigger match. Mm-hmm. And the devil's in the details as far as that's concerned. What does it all mean? What if there's a disagreement down the road? That's why you really need to document and paper these, two, a- these things. Absolutely. And, and, and again, the well-run programs spend significant amounts. Most of my clients that are doing this are spending significant amounts educating, teaching them what something like it, but are teaching them what the formula is and, and getting them to understand how do, you, how do I affect that formula. And, and that's, those are the successful programs. And we've literally seen the same kind of behavior in, in a lot of our clients that are doing these incentive-driven matches and things like that. In your perspective, Harley, is there a, a future war for talent coming up because of the number of baby boomers that are going to be wanting to go part-time and, and keep a second in charge? You know, I, I, I'm, I'm really banking my career on that because I really think what's happening now is, is that the people that are coming in, and I, I hate to use general terms like millennials and stuff, they're driven by different things. Um, uh, things like being green are important to them. And, and so when you're tailoring compensation schemes, you need to be able to get the things that really motivate them. I, I mentioned earlier phantom stock plans is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the millennials are really driven to this. And I see a lot of um, um, millennial-owned businesses that are coming to me, and that's really the structure they want because everybody gets what it means. So that... Uh Again, back for the uninitiated, that means that you're allowing your employees to feel like a shareholder without tying yourself up as the owner of the business. And the, the beauty of that is that someday you, you may have an offer that you can't refuse out there, and you don't want anyone else tying you up at that point. And also, you may have an employee that, that needs to be motivated to restay with you for a period of time, and you can build in these types of vesting schedules. And, and that's the beauty of these plans that are non-qualified. You have the ability to tie people up by having vesting schedules or thing, or you know, requirements that they have to do in order to get to attain the, the, the goal. And, and again, it doesn't, t- you know, I mean, 
I do a lot of acquisition work and, and, you know, the buyer always knows what's going on. They know, you know, what, what expenses there are. And these are typically, you know, you call them parachutes, but that's basically what they are. They, they see what's going on. But, but many of these people are people they want to retain. So they're going to go in and they're going to step in and even though they'll get that benefit, they, they'll probably put in something very, very similar because, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Yeah, I talk a lot about the uh, the conversation at home that employers are trying to avoid their employees having, and it goes something like this: an employee gets a call at work. Uh, I'm offered a twenty thousand dollars signing bonus. They call home. The wife looks around the kitchen and goes, "When can I call the contractor?" <laughs> and and there's nothing in place to retain that key employee. But if there is something like you're talking about, it has a vesting schedule, it has some kind of a uh, a give back if they leave, then that that can prevent that call from happening in the first place. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and again, I, I am such a, I, I call it looking at it from 20,000 feet. What I do is I try to look at what the business owner is trying to accomplish. That's that's my goal. And when I get that, I can draft things that create incentives for people to build towards that goal. And that's really what you're trying to do in these things is to create situations that will make these people stay and and, and stay on because they're being paid well. Yeah, it's an interesting and creative part of the law, and designing these compensation plans and structuring them properly is not only uh, interesting and important to the growth of your business, but it's important to be in compliance with the Section 409A, and a lot of people don't. It's 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 absolutely the most difficult thing because I mean like I said these are very draconian regulations they're they're extensive they you know you can if you scratch your nose with your left arm one result if you scratch it with the right there's another result so you got to be very very careful about it so if someone has a an existing plan out there and is wondering if there may be uh, encroaching or you know breaking some kind of a rule out there should they give you a call for a review is that the best way for that for that to happen or? yeah i mean there's there's lots of different ways to approach i mean you should constantly be looking at these things anyway i mean they're they're, they're part of compensation just like a bonus or salary would be and so it's important to be very very aware of it and you know what we find is that oftentimes these are drafted by people that really don't know about 409a and that's the dangerous part i mean severance is a perfect example i would say you know a lot of those are done by labor lawyers or done by corporate lawyers and they don't really understand that it can have ramifications and the the uh, the the de- drafted documents in a book don't necessarily comply with state rules one on one. They have to be very careful there too, as well. Absolutely. I mean, it, it it you know the the best drafted plan has a labor lawyer look at it, has a corporate lawyer look at it, and has a benefits lawyer look at it. What's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you, Harvey? Uh, well, you can either go to my website um, or. Yeah, you can look me up on LinkedIn. I'm there also. <laughs> okay, and your website is the Erisa E R I S A Law firm t-h-e-e-r-i-s-a lawfirm.com that's it that's it okay great having you on the show thanks very much for joining Enjoyed the talk yeah maybe i'd love to go deeper on this stuff you can tell we you know i i love this 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 part of the topic i love this part of the uh the business and i think we're gonna see a lot more retiring and rewiring business owners say I better have something to lock in my key people, and this is the key to the ticket. It really is, and, and that's that's really that's looking from above the twenty thousand view, and that's really what I pride myself on. Great, been talking with Harley B. Ellen. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. You're listening to ExitCoachRadio.com, the information station for age fifty plus business owners where we're interviewing over 250 top advisors for their best tips, ideas, and precautions. 
so you can be well-planned. We upload new one-minute tips every day. ExitCoachRadio.com. Come listen for a minute. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 